Welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife podcast. And uh, this week, so here we are, we're in part two of the series. So the first part I titled Separation to Salvation because that is where our guest talked about how her marriage was on the brink of separation and God came back as he did, always does. And he redeems her marriage before he allowed her to achieve all her financial dreams. And it was just such a beautiful story. So if you haven't listened to that, you might want to go ahead and listen to it first. Uh, That is uh, the episode right before this. But then we, in this episode, we're going to go over the teaching that Lindsay has for us. After losing both her parents well before their time, our guest, Lindsay Sutherland, quickly learned that there is no guarantee of someday. While working in her high-stress corporate job, she decided she needed to make some quality time with her family, the biggest priority in her life. However, as the primary income earner in her family, she just couldn't quit. This is when she began the journey of researching passive income strategies. Now she coaches others on the subject on her podcast, The Passive Income Examiner. I'm excited for you guys to hear this because marriages oftentimes one of the biggest things that we struggle with are finances. And so when I was talking to Lindsay and I and she was telling me about these strategies that she offers, I really felt that it's a it's a conversation that we need to have. We need to have a converse a candid conversation about struggling in finances in our marriages. How do we get out of that? What do we do? Getting on the same page. If you listen to the last episode, you know that that was a big part of their redemption story is really getting on the same page, making that decision to make a change. And so here we are this week. Lindsay is going to teach us all about what she does. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reignite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the Gracefield Wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the Gracefield Wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. All right, everybody. Today we have Lindsay Sutherland from the Passive Income Examiner. And today we're going to be talking about finances, which is a topic in marriage. You guys know that's one of the major things that we fight about all the time. Well, Lindsay does an amazing job. She is, I would say she's a passive income coach. I don't know, Lizzie, you can let us know (laughs) a little bit um, if whether or not you just, you agree with that. Um, But she helps women in this area. She also helps couples 
uh, kind of meet their goals um, and when it comes to finances. So Lindsay, let's talk about really quick. And I and I'm sure, you know, if we knew the answer, we would be geniuses, right? But like, why do we think that couples fight so much about finances? Yeah. If I knew that, I would have this magic wand and people could pay me even more. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Oh, gosh. I wish I knew because I'll tell you, it's caused, you know, plenty of strife in my own marriage. And um, it's one of those things when my husband and I got together, uh, he was a real estate investor. And, you know, he said to me from the beginning, he said, Lindsay, people, relationships only end over two things, money and kids. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, you're okay. Whatever you say, you know, I hadn't been married before, so I didn't know. And he is so right because I'll tell you, there has been a lot of strife over, over finances. And ironically, it usually comes down to that. We both want the same thing. We just both have a different way in our head of how it should be to get there. And so we don't really fight over how much money or, you know, it's more like, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get there? And I mean, I know, you know, my story, how uh, we, we left my corporate job. Um, I was the primary breadwinner at the time. Like I moved, we moved across three States and our dream was to live in a log cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we talked about this dream for over a decade and wow it would have happened a lot faster if we didn't come together and butt heads about what it should be like and what we should do when we get there and how will we make the ends meet what, how, just that planning. And it's so hard. That's a major thing. You, you can't have all the answers when you plan that ahead. So anyway, it was a a frequent moment where we just both go, Oh, throw up our hands and walk away. And, you know, if we could have worked it out sooner, we would have had it sooner, but I always like to think things work out as they're meant to. And it happened when it was meant to happen, you know, because we grew through that process tremendously. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, it was very growth uh, for our relationship. What would you say um, were some of the biggest growth things in that area that you kind of, that you guys figured out together? Like what was the click moment? Well, I think for the biggest thing is realizing that we were on the same team. You know, sometimes when you're talking to your spouse, it's easy to think, you know, I don't even think we're conscious of this thought, but it's almost like we feel like we're fighting somebody, like we're in a competition, almost a debate. If you've ever done speech and debate, you know, who's making the next point. And I agree with you, but da, 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 da. Oh my gosh. And it could, it could just suck you in. It's almost like this need to be right. And when you realize that you are on the same team and you're both wanting the same thing, it's like, okay, time out. We both want the same thing. Why, why are we so caught up in whose, whose way it is that gets us there? What if we get there? Does it really matter? No, it doesn't matter. You know, and just pausing and slowing down and really the shift for us happened when, so during this 10 year period, <laughs> I would come home utterly exhausted, frustrated, burnt out and, and depressed. I was, I was really sad because I missed being with my kids. The job that I had required me to work a ridiculous amount of hours and it was really high stress. So I didn't have time to be with my kids. In fact, I remember a moment when I did get my one day off out of four for the month. 
And I felt like my kids were strangers. It was a really eerie feeling and I couldn't do it anymore. And I just was at my wit's end and I looked at him and I said, you know, when are we going to stop talking about this and actually do it? And that was the moment, like we locked eyes, there was this energy and he looked at me and he goes, okay, what do we have to do? And then it was, it was no longer about what is it going to look like when we get there and this and that, it was like, this is what we're doing. We are moving. And I said, we need to set a date. We're moving by this date and we're going to make it happen no matter what comes up for us. Like those were, that was a massive decision-making moment right there. Mm -hmm. And we put it on paper and then we started selling our stuff and getting our house ready. And, you know, all the things that you do when you're getting ready to move, looking for a house, we had no idea. I had no idea how I was going to move my family three States with no guarantee of income with no friends or family. It was a complete, like, I'm making this happen because this is my dream. I can't keep living like this. I need to be in a, I wanted a laid back lifestyle. You know, I was just tired of the big city and the rat race and driving an hour to work. It was 20, 20 miles. It was an hour, one, two hours of driving a day. And, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I live in the big city, back. so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it here. I do. I love it here. It was the best thing we ever did. And you know what? We could have done it better. We could have done his way, which his way was to buy land and build our own house. And we'd be completely debt free right now because we had enough money to pay cash for the land. And we could have, we could have done it his way. His way would have involved building our own house, like legitimately him and I building, which I was not interested in doing, (laughs) especially not with four kids and our baby. She was only two and a half there was no way I was mentally prepared for that. And so I talked him into getting into another mortgage and you know what? I don't know if that was the right or wrong thing, but it got us here. And we're both glad we did. Cause I'll tell you one thing since we moved, cause we moved about two years ago, our house has doubled in value. That is not a joke. Wow. Yeah. For the listeners, you know, they're listening and they're like, wow. Okay. She had this dream to get out of the corporate rat race and, you know, she was tired. It sounds like you were tired and burnt out and your husband and, and you were on the same page of, of a simpler life, just maybe not necessarily of how to get there. And you had this moment of, okay, let's do it. Let's get it done. So then what was your secret? Like, how did you, how did you make it happen? Cause I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people like, okay, tell me, how do I do it? You know? Yeah. Speaking of finances, we used to have regular meetings every Saturday or Sunday morning um, where we sat down and we talked about finances. And I would say that's like a good way. Like talking about finances is like working a muscle. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, especially if your relationship isn't already on that page, it started with us. All we did, this is a little simple exercise people can do. We made a net worth statement. It was basic, very basic. It was like our assets what they were worth and what our debts were and then how much we we were worth right at the bottom and it was pretty bleak to start with <laughs> at that time but by doing it on a regular basis and say okay we're going to pay off this debt look at what we did or oh, our house went up in value um you know those kinds of things all of a sudden it's like look what we're doing together we were growing something together and it also brought up conversations like well we want to save so how are we going to do that and 
budgeting and all those things. And, and there were definitely difficult conversations where, you know, how I could go into like all those things, but it was healthy. It was, it was practicing. Mm -hmm. And I would say now that when we do it, it's routine. So it's something that people can do to start is just, just look at their net worth as a couple. What have you grown together? What goals do you have financially? And on a, on a regular basis, maybe you do it twice a month or once, once a week. Um, but you reevaluate your situation and that's truly how the wealth get wealthy. Right. They don't look at their bank account. They look at their net worth. So that's what you want to be looking at. There was three steps, like three key steps. Now it's going to be different for everybody. Uh, for me, I mean, the, the actual financial aspect of it, I was making enough money in our job. And because we had paid off all of our debt, other than our mortgage, that was the only debt we had. Um, and I think we had like a $500 credit card. It was like super small. So it was nearly meaningless at that point. Um, we, um, I, when I, we had enough extra income coming in that I was able to qualify for a second mortgage. And that shocked me. I honestly didn't think I could, I didn't think my credit was that great. I, I'm not one of those people that really watches my credit score. So, and because I had not had car debt for a while, and because all I had was my um, little tiny revolving credit card and this house payment, I didn't think I had that good a credit because when you're not using it, your credit drops. Mm -hmm. So um, it just never even occurred to me. And then I, I found this house. This is the log cabin, right? We, we see it on the MLS. And I think, wow, that, that house could work for us. It was over the budget we wanted to pay. Isn't it always though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I have the champagne taste beer budget problem, right? <laughs> like I think everybody else does. But yeah, it was. It was. I think it was listed over three hundred thousand. And um, looking at that, you know, where I said to my husband, I said, "This house has been on the market quite a while," and I understand why because they had some strange paint, like neon yellow and neon pink, and the house had been remodeled. It had some weird, really weird, quirky things. Let's just say, but because it had been on the market for so long. And obviously with my husband's real estate background, we were kind of like, okay, you know, this has to be a way that we can make this the, our deal. Now I'll tell you, this made me scared. Like I, I own property, right? I have, we have land and then we also have our rental and we have, I have another rental I'm a part of. So, I mean, it's, it's not new to us. It's not new to me. Mm -hmm. but Lee, my husband was a wholesaler. So I don't mm -hmm. know if anybody knows what wholesaler is. Um, it, he, go ahead. Okay. He, it basically means that people buy rent real estate at like 60% of market value and then they flip it and they don't fix it. It's not a fix and flip. It's just flip it, make cash. Got it. And he keeps some for his own rentals and he had built up his own massive rentals or whatnot, but for the, for the most part, that's what he was doing. And so his mindset is I'm not paying full price, no matter what. Now, if anybody has been looking to relocate right now, which a lot of people are in this with COVID and everything going on, everybody's moving everywhere. But when we were moving, it was two years ago and houses were flying off the shelf. We, we would look at a house in North Idaho and be like, Oh yeah, like we like that. 24 hours later, it was off the market. I mean, it was berserks. So I was terrified that we were going to miss this opportunity. It was perfect size, 3,000 square foot house, which most of these cabins were like 
Cracker Jack boxes, you know, and I was willing to move into a Cracker Jack box. But when I saw this and I saw the price tag, I thought, man, oh man, this could give us a comfortable space, you know, with four kids and the grandpa living with us, we needed room. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he, he makes this low ball offer. I mean, like $60,000 below their asking price. And I'm over here, like having a little mini heart attack because I'm thinking they're going to say no, like there's no hope for this. And not only are they going to say no, but they're going to say, ha, 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 we already sold it. Forget about it. <laughs> you know, I was, I was pretty sure. The realtor calls me back and she says, well, they didn't say no, but they didn't say yes. <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> and it basically meant that they were saying, okay, fine, we'll, we'll go with your deal, but we reserve the right to keep it on the market. If we get a better offer, then you get the first right of refusal. I'm like, oh no, I'm not going through a three-state move to lose this house at the last minute. Like that's not my style. So just what's their take it off the market price, you know? And then we did the dance and yep. ended up on a price and that that all worked out. So I mean, that's the that's the nuts and bolts of how it happened. I had no idea that could happen. I didn't know I could qualify for that second mortgage until my uh, realtor lady was like, let's just find out, okay? <laughs> Mm -hmm. But the three things, like if anybody has a dream, like this is for any dream anywhere, I'm telling you, there are three main things you do. Number one, you make that final determination. This is happening. Like I said, we set a date. Mm -hmm. It was like, by this date, we are moving. And we didn't know, but you, you get this, you get in like hyper-focus drive. You know, you're going to, I can't tell you how many trips to Goodwill I took. <laughs> it was, it was a ton of trips. Um, and you just, you get to that point where it's like, okay, and you make it happen. Your brain gets engaged and just every piece of you is moving. Now I was working full time, still raising my kids, still doing all my normal stuff. But in the meantime, I'm doing fix up on my house and I'm, you know, and the more you do, the more you see, you got to do, you know how that goes. Like mm -hmm. the more junk you take out all of a sudden, oh my gosh, that wall looks awful. I got to paint it. I got to take them. <laughs> you right. just get going. So step one is to be like laser focused. Step two is to put your blinders on. Now, I used to be this kind of person that believed that if something didn't work out, it wasn't meant to be. Are you like that? Have you ever been like that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't like, tell oh, you how many... it wasn't in God's will. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you, that is malarkey. And I mean, yeah, we could live our life, life like that and it'll happen eventually, maybe one day, but it usually happens when we're so fed up. If we finally just say this has to happen, which is that making decision. But when I said to myself, I'm doing this no matter what, be it, it could be a whole nother podcast episode to hear mm -hmm. my story of how everything went in our way. It was a mess. Just trust me. I had a lot of reasons I could have made as excuses for why we couldn't have moved, but I didn't. I said, nope, this is what we're doing. And it worked out. Everything worked out eventually. It was, like I said before, it was the best thing we ever did. So put those blinders on just like a horse in a, in a race and you just focus on until it's done. You do not stop. You just work through every obstacle. You just work through them. You don't quit. You just keep moving. And then the last um, is to just imagine this is really powerful, but I did this often because I had that ridiculous commute. Mm -hmm. I imagined the result as if it was real. I mean, I would spend my whole hour drive just picturing myself walking into my cabin. How did it feel? What was it like taking a nature walk with my kids? And just all those things. I had all kinds of imaginations happening, but I, I believe that there was 
something to that that helped to create the magic that happened because like I said, it was, it was magical. There was a lot of really cool experiences. It was like, man, I couldn't have made that happen if I tried to. Right. But that's my secret. So, okay. So you said, uh, one, make the decision, right? Make the decision to put the blinders on and three, what you talked about was visualization, right? Like really imagining it happening. That's, what's going to activate your, your brain, to go and and do the things it needed to do. You did say something else in there that I want to touch on. You said you had a lot of extra income coming in that allowed you to have the second mortgage. Um, was this income for your from your your corporate job? Was this passive income? You know, a side hustle? Like what was that? So at this time, uh, it was mostly my earned income. And so there's three main types of income. There's earned income you get from trading time for money or service for money. Uh, passive income is when you work, but you get, you may do one, maybe you work on something once, but you get paid for that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is portfolio income, which is like your net worth. So those are the three main incomes. At that time, prior to meeting my husband, I was working in the automotive industry and um, I happened to meet him as a real estate investor. I apprenticed with him right when the market crashed. So everything went sideways and we ended up, um, I ended up working again. And ironically, before having kids, I had this big dream of moving my way up in the car business and making a ton of money. And I did that. But then once motherhood came, everything just shifted, you know, perception of what I wanted and what I was getting was like, wait a second, this is not that meaningful to me, you know? Um, I don't know if I shared this, but both of my parents passed away at a young age and my mom died when I was 12. My dad died in 2013. Neither of them made it to retirement. Neither of them made it to their someday. So I ultimately said to myself, like, I have to do what is important to me now. And so at the time though, and this is the, this is the interesting thing. This is like those 10 years when my husband and I are going back and forth, we did continue to build up investments through that time. Like, like I, uh, we invested in land, we invested in precious metals, we invested in real estate, but it wasn't like our main focus mainly because we were having little kids at the time. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it wasn't an excuse, but it was just the way it was. Life was busy. It was chaos. And I love my husband, but he's not a multitasker. (laughs) If I was the stay at home mom, (laughs) I could see myself taking my kids out working deals on, you know, if I was really motivated, but he wasn't that style. And, and we just, um, I don't know, we just let him stay home and take care of the kids. I kept working at the time and it got to the point where I was making, I ended up making quite a bit of money. And that's when we started really maximizing and using, getting our dollars to work for us, which I don't think I've talked about it with you, but I have a four steps to getting out of the rat race. And the first Mm -hmm. one is to save, pay off your debt, save up. The second one is to build up a passive income business. If you need extra money coming in to save. And the third is to make your money work for you. So we kind of skipped the step two and we were already working on step three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of how we built up our nest egg, so to speak. Um, and then we just went after our dream. So we, we kind of, I guess, put the cart before the horse, you could say, which mm-hmm. is 
totally my style. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a rebel, but um, I think if people want to escape the rat race and they want to do it with financial security, which is not everybody's willing to take the risks that I did, um, you know, especially with four kids and especially in that situation. And I totally respect that. Um, and I'm not saying everybody, oh, just chase your dreams and go do it. No, if, if it doesn't make sense, don't do it. The only way it worked for us is that I knew our debts were low enough that worse come worse, I could make it work and I could get a job. And I felt confident with my ability to do that. It wasn't what I wanted to do. But in the end, I have a job that I still have peace of mind. I'm right. not killing myself. They, it's a small town. Everything takes like two minutes to get places. <laughs> that's no joke. Um, you know, I could go to my kid's school, my, my kid, we live on five acres. My kids can play outside without me worrying. I can go to my, they are friends with the neighbors. Like it's like 1950s over here as mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's perfect. Um, and then we're continually working towards that and building up that passive strategy so that at some point, you know, we are, I, I honestly am not just interested in getting out of the rat race. I'm looking at my long-term retirement strategy. Like I would like to be earning enough money that I could travel and visit my kids when they move out of the house and do all these things. Like I have all these big vision. I have another, a new whole 10 year plan. Right. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this passive strategy a little bit. You and I had in our first conversation where we talked about, and we both realized that there is this mis misconception out there a lot of times of what passive income is and what it is not. Um, so let's break it down for the audience. What is it? And you you had uh, touched on it before. Something you you do once, you work for once, and then and then it continues to pay you. What is it not? So it's not an MLM. I'll tell you that. I uh, can't tell you how many times I've posted on social media. I was doing some market research for my podcast early on when I was getting started. And I put on a, I put a post out there on a group and I said, what does the word passive income mean to you? And I think I had like seven responses and out of seven ish, it could have been eight or nine, but it was, my post was taken down. So I couldn't tell you for sure, but I know that like 90% of the comments were, why are we always hounded about trying? Somebody's always trying to sell us something, you know, what just makes me think of MLM or network marketing. You know, it makes me think there's a pitch after this. If I comment on this thread and I'm like, what? Oh my God. I even wrote in my thread. I even wrote in my post market research. I'm not trying to sell anything. Like I was very clear. <laughs> People still thought that one person, one person put on their stocks, investments, real estate, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I, I was shocked. I was flabbergasted. Like people do not understand what passive income is. And I think I don't know, maybe I'm going on a total opinion moment here, but it seems like to me that there's a lot of network marketing companies that tout residual income. Mm -hmm. And there is a difference between residual income and passive income, although residual income can be passive. Passive income is not necessarily residual. So the difference is this, residual income relies on the same client buying over and over something, right? Whereas passive income is where multiple people can buy one product. So I might have a course or an ebook or um, a webinar that's giving information of some sort. I could be a YouTube channel. 
podcast, anything, affiliate links. There's like, I could go on, Mm -hmm. but the point is, it's like, you have these little spiders out there and, and they can be paid for over and over and again. Um, with residual income, I might sell one person a skincare line and she might come back and buy from me again, or she might join my business and start selling other stuff. But the problem is if my whole downline leaves, which happens, or the company goes out of business, which happens, um, or maybe the clients just decide I can't afford it anymore. I have to go back to grocery store brands, right? Your business is not sustainable. Um, Really those companies typically until you get a lot, you got to hustle a lot. (laughs) And of course, there's always that one that I'm, that's probably listening going, not mine, mine's great. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. that's true. There's always, you know, there's always anomalies, but I have done a lot of network marketing, um, multiple companies over the years and every single one. And I've looked at multiple ones. Um, very often you have to have a big team or be selling high, high volume um, in order to get that residual income. And it comes at a, a great time expense, which is not what I'm looking for. Right. Which is, I, you know, I want to say listeners, I'm not knocking anybody right now that may be in a multi-level marketing or in any of that. I don't knock it because I get it. Everybody has their own thing that they're doing. And I have plenty of friends and loved ones, whoever, uh, that have these businesses and I support them because I love them. So I'm not knocking it at all, but I did want to make the distinction during this conversation because I think it is an important one to make. So Mm -hmm. then tell me, so you, you teach people about passive income. Tell me, tell me a little bit about maybe what your podcast is, what you teach. How is it that you help women in this area? So a lot of ways, I mean, for one is information, free information, and I'm doing that on the podcast. So here's where I got the idea for the podcast is because other than real estate, my window of passive income, like I had general ideas, but I was still really curious about what else is out there. And I thought, you know, there are a lot of wicked smart people in the world doing really cool stuff. And I wish I could be a fly on the wall watching them and just pick their brain, right? Or or just get a chance to talk to them for coffee. And then it dawned on me, man, oh man, that'd be a really cool thing to interview these people and do like a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. But the downside with me is I don't like to get my hair and makeup all done every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say like it is. Yes. So that's why I moved to a small town. I got a nice job where I don't have to get all dolled up. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So I was like, I think I should do a podcast. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's been great. I'm telling you, I talked to this guy the other day. I haven't aired his episode yet. So that's coming, but he lives in Bali. He does legitimately zero work and makes bank every month because he has automated every single thing and he has multiple businesses, multiple streams, but the man is really smart. He's one of those wicked smart people I'm telling Mm -hmm. you about. And the thing about it is so interesting to me is how many people they hear this and they think, oh, well, it's gotta be a scam. And I think, and I'm not hundred percent sure I could be wrong on this quote, but I feel like it's Henry Ford. (laughs) And do you remember if, if I'm on the right track, Henry Ford, who was put on the stand because he didn't have a college education. And people were upset because he was making so much money um, in the automotive industry. And back then, if you weren't educated, you shouldn't be like a high up person, right? So he was put on the stand and he said something to the effect of, look, I don't need to know everything 
about how to make the cars, how to engineer the cars, how to put the cars together. I only need to know who to call to get the things done that I want done. The man was a visionary, right? And that's what this guy was. This is, he's a visionary. And so he just puts people in the places he needs them so that his little system works automatically. I'm like, man, oh man, I can take a page out of your book. Let me tell you. So that was a great episode. I can't wait to share that one, but that's the podcast. So the podcast is sharing information. Um, I am launching courses with real estate as my, my background. I've been studying real estate and doing various different aspects of it since 2006. Um, and then of course with Lee and his experience, I mean, he has spent a lot of money in real estate and in, in not just in real estate, but also in educating himself in real estate, mm-hmm. taking major courses. So together, I think we make a really good team because, you know, I have the ability to communicate things on a level that makes very plain sense. Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking to do is to help people who are sitting back and maybe they've never even thought about owning a rental income. Maybe they're just like, I don't even know why I would even consider that. They're just kind of in their living room, listening to this podcast or driving. And they're like, Hmm, but I want to take somebody who really has no foundation for owning rentals and teach them how to get started and not just give them everything they need to know to get started. Because I mean, let's be honest. And I know you understand this Mm -hmm. real estate is there's so many moving pieces that I would be a complete liar. If I promised that I could teach you everything in, in one course. But what I do teach is the foundation and also the way to help you go to find the pieces you need. Just like Henry Ford, I'll teach you where to go to get the information you need so you can build a team, so you can have a foundation to start with. Plus, we have an online Facebook group where you can have access to Lee and I asking us questions. You know, we're there to hold your hand as you get started, you know, help you get through this first deal or two and get yourself to a point where you feel like okay, I can do this. Or at least you, you, you get off the ground. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really what it's about. Once you get one done, getting one more done, you're, you're smooth selling. You can keep moving from there. And that's really what I'm looking to do is to help people build up a financial portfolio that brings in income on a monthly basis and builds up a net worth mm-hmm. so that they have something to retire on. So that's what we're looking at. I love that. And, and so I guess at this point I should tell the listeners, right? Where, uh, so you and I had the conversation about real estate. I've never talked about it on my podcast, but for the listeners, if you know me in real life, you know that real estate is actually my thing above and beyond like, or above or comes first before even what I do for the podcast, because that's kind of what I've done my whole life. You know, I was a retail buyer, but I, I bought my first property at 23 years old. And, and, you know, you and I had talked about our story, but just for a little bit of a backstory for the listener. Um, so I own a rental property and, and this is what my family does. So our normal conversations around the dinner table with my extended family is also, oh, how's that renovation going? Or how's this? And that's just our conversations all the time. And so when I heard that you were helping people in this area of passive income, but that passive income was coming from real estate, I knew, okay, she's the real deal because real estate is passive income when you are owning rental properties, because you're right, you do the work, you do the work once you find a good tenant and, and that's it, you know? Um, And it, it, it's, it's something that really you can, 
it frees you up to do other things. So it frees me up to have a podcast and a coaching business and all those other things, but it pays the bills. Uh, basically it's the foundation, right? It's our financial foundation for everything else that we do. So I can back up everything that you're saying for the listener and say that that is hundred percent true. And the reason why I found value in it is because a lot of times people will ask me, oh, well, how do I get my first rental property? For me, it's a little different because I live in New York City and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like a rental property here. We're talking about the, you know, in the millions and millions and, you know, at least half a million dollars. If you've, I mean, actually, if you find something, a half a million dollars is probably a wholesale price in New York wow. City. It's just oh. insane, the prices. So it's it's a little different. But I know that this podcast is, is, is listened to all over the U.S. and um, and even all over the world. And so I felt like what you had to teach is so important for for women because we're, you know, for people out there, couples, because it's something that, you know, we and we talked about at the beginning, couples fight about finances all the time, you know, and part of it is maybe there's not enough. Or maybe there is enough and you guys aren't living in between in your within your means. You know, that's one thing that you talked about. You got out of debt, you guys got laser focused, and you can't do that if you're not living within your means. Like you really have to be really, uh, really focused about what you're spending. And these are things that cause couples to fight. And so adding a layer of passive income to your household is something that can alleviate a lot of the stress, but it is also something that you guys both have to be on the same page. And you said yourself, your husband, you and your husband were not on the same page for a long time until it clicked and you got there. And, um, you know, when you and I were chatting, I shared with you my story. It was the same thing. My husband and I, well, we bought our first rental property. He was not really on the same page. We did it because it was basically my family's doing. My dad was like, oh, well, you can't rent. You have to buy a house. So here, I'm going to help you buy a house. My husband just kind of went along with it. And he wanted to sell the house pretty quickly after we bought it. And now here we are more than 10 years later. And I forget more than doubled our investment, but it's just, it's made such a big difference in our lives financially because of those decisions that we made before and because of those decisions that we stuck to. And it was something that really drove a wedge between us. It was one of the things, you know, when I talk about my story and how he walked out, one of them was he walked out because of my newfound faith in Jesus that he wasn't in alignment with. And the other one was he felt resentment over the house. And so I say this for the listeners because, you know, being on the same page with your spouse is so important. But when you can find the the things, you know, there's going to be some things that you're not going to agree on, and that's fine. But when you can find these little things um, that are going to make such a difference in your lives as a whole, and something like this, I feel so strongly about because it could make such a difference in building generational wealth. And you know mm -hmm. this, right, Lindsay? Like, you know, my I grew up we were poor. We were impoverished. My father did not, he was not born in this country. My mother was born here, but my father was not born here. He didn't speak a lick of English. He came here when he was a teenager. You know, they, my mom was a teenage mom. We had nothing. We were so poor growing up. You know, my, my grandpa, both my grandparents, one was from Cuba. My other, uh, my grandmother was from the, uh, Puerto Rico. They didn't have anything, but they, when they came to this country, they bought real estate. 
And that has created generational wealth for our family that now my kids don't know what it is to have like a hungry day. You know, I have to think of ways like, you know, wow, babe, okay, I think we're gonna have to take them on a missions trip or whatever, because we want them to be able to see the things that, you know, to, to see how how other people live that they don't have to do that. And I, I attribute that to the work of my family before me and how they were not afraid of, of that. They were not afraid of building generational wealth. And I think it's so important. I never talked about it on the podcast, but it's something that, you know, when you brought it up, when you uh, brought up your, your story and how you wanted to talk about this, that you were teaching, I thought it was so important to bring to my listener because it's just for everything I just said, you know, I just, I think yeah. it's just such a, a, a beautiful thing. So I appreciate your story and you kind of sharing that with us. Um, yeah, it gives me chills listening to you because, you know, you're, t- you're saying something really valuable is you're talking about literally a mindset shift in generations where we go from believing we have to work hard to earn money mm-hmm. and that we get our value from working hard, you know, and then shifting that over to passive income where you literally, it's not about working hard. It's about how little can you work (laughs) to maximize your return on your money and your investment of your time. And, you know, that is such a precious gift that I think we take for granted is that gift of time. Yeah. So, so so important. And then, you know, I look back now and, you know, my father, he preaches, you know, my, my mom, she, like, they have the ability to go and do missions. Now, my mother, she retired when she was 40. And they and and real estate and their passive income that they have created for themselves have allowed them to go and then fulfill God's calling on their life because they don't now have to worry about where the bills are being paid from. You know, he was able to provide these things for them that they it was not easy. It was, you know, that they divorced over real estate. You know, it was just a lot of blood, sweat and tears. But then when it was done you know, like we were saying, now it's something that then frees up their time to really do the things that they really wanted to do. And it it has been the thing that has afforded me the time to even create this podcast and, um, and, and do something that I'm really passionate about. So just, that's why I wanted to bring you on. And just thank you so much for that. So why don't you tell our listeners where she could find this podcast and where she could find you tell her about your course, like what's tell her. How could you yeah. find you? Well, the pa- the passive income examiner is the podcast. Um, my website is the same thing. And, you know, I want to bring it back to couples because I want to give you, I want to give our couples listening. And, you know, if we have more females listening than men, that's fine. But in the end, here's what I learned. One of the things that I, I took away from my experience was that I would get a really great idea and I would share it with my husband who would immediately say, well, I don't know. What about this? What about that? What about that? Right. And then that's when this argument ensued. I don't want passive income creation to come between anybody. And what I would rather, and I think this is where the solution is, is for couples to look at a situation objectively, come to the table, listen to the course, follow me or follow my, uh, get into my group, escape the nine to five. I have a Facebook group. It's a facebook.com com slash groups slash escape your nine two five and two is the number two. And I'll put the I'm links in doing, there. Don't worry, ladies. Yeah, I'm in okay. the group too. It's a good group. I can vouch for it. I'll put I'm the links start, in the show notes. <laughs> there's going to be some live trainings in there. And I want 
I really want couples to come together through this. Like I said, Lee and I had a lot of growth and we are, I, I honestly don't feel like I could continue my life without him. I know I, I know I could cause I'm a strong woman, but I don't want to, I enjoy like, to me, it's adventurous to like, okay, what's our next deal? How are we going to make this happen? Like we're getting it done and it's fun to do together. Like we have fun growing our savings because we have a goal to reach. Like it's no longer like, oh, I need this new handbag. It's like, oh, I could pass because I would rather have this six figure savings account. Right. And so it's just a whole different ball game when you're on the same page. So I encourage everybody to join and I'm, I'm putting it out there that anybody who buys this course can come and bring a spouse for free. And if you are single, which could be, uh, feel free to bring a friend. You know, I, it's a it's a buy one, get two free kind of deal because <laughs> I want as many people to get this information. And the other thing is I'm not selling this course for a ridiculous amount of money because a lot of real estate courses out there are thousands of dollars. Right. This isn't meant for, like I said, this is meant for just regular people who want to build up some rentals who are looking to retire on passive income. And that's who I'm looking for that's interested. So the, the website to check out more and to see some videos, what I'm going to talk about is rentalincome.gr8.com. Thank you for sticking around there. I know this was a long one, but there was just so many good nuggets and takeaways. That's why I separated it into two episodes. Really, that whole idea of bringing, building, sorry, generational wealth is life-changing. I mean, besides building generational wealth, that investing in the marriage, like I talked about in the last episode, in the same way that we would invest in our finances, can change your family and your lives for generations to come. It can change the trajectory of your family. One of the major, uh, one of the, um, my favorite quotes is that our ceiling is our children's floor. Our ceiling is our children's floor. That means that wherever we leave off as high as we can get, that's the platform for which from which our children stand. So if we do things like this to work to build generational wealth and work and invest in our marriages so that we can make it to old age, still married and loving each other and not hating each other, our children are going to have that as their foundation. Love it. Thank you guys. And until next week. Hey love, thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.